What's good, y'all? This is Jose Olivares checking in on behalf of the Poetry Gods. We have a couple of big things in the works, a couple big plans, you know what I'm saying? Uh, so I wanted to check in with y'all about that. First thing is, in two weeks, we're going to release a recording of the live podcast that we did at Burroughs Poetry Shop in Brooklyn, New York City, with such guests as uh, Nate Marshall, Idris Goodwin, Kamon Felix, whom you're about to hear in a second. Uh, we had Carvin's Lassant stop through and many, many more people. Um, so look out for that. We're dropping that in two weeks. And then two weeks after that, so episode 15, we are looking to drop an episode that uh, features your question, where we answer your questions. Um, so please email us your questions. We've gotten a bunch of really good questions already, you know, things ranging on topics like publishing and this or that. Please, whatever you want to know, uh, send us an email. Our email address is email thepoetrygods at gmail.com. One more time, that's email thepoetrygods at gmail.com. All right, y'all. Uh, we're about to get into this episode with Kamon Felix. I'm so hyped for y'all to hear it. Uh, please email us. We're going to check in real soon. Peace. Do like, I'm, like my name's Jose. My name's Lisa. My name's... Johnny Dangerous. A.K.A. Johnny Good. A.K.A. Johnny Great. A.K.A. DJ Loves His Nephews. A.K.A. And, and so on. People see me, but they just don't know. What I told you, People see me, but they just don't know. People see me, but they just don't know. My name is Johnny Dangerous, a.k.a. Johnny B. Good, a.k.a. Johnny B. Enough, a.k.a. DJ loves his whole entire, you know, any other offspring that are going to come after, you know, nieces and nephews, potentially. Uh, my name is... I think that's good. My name is John Sands. Uh, we're very, very happy to be back with you in the building. Uh, Literally in uh, John's Hummus Emporium. Yeah. Yeah. Coming to you live and direct from Crown Heights, Brooklyn. I think you know we have to I'm change saying? your name now to, to John's Hummus and Pesto Emporium. <laughs> you gotta add the pesto. Got going here. The pesto is very lit today. I mean, although wow. I think the pesto has to be a secret. Oh, you know, I mean, not a secret for you, the listeners of the podcast. True, but you know, it's just the price like of your the operation. Of the world. Wow, can't like have people coming over and yeah. being like, "Oh, damn!" You know, like you only gave me hummus. Mm-hmm. I didn't get Yikes. the like. It's like uh, yeah. In and Out, where you, where it's not on the menu. You know what yeah, I mean? right. you just have to know. It's yeah. special. You know what? Hey, welcome to the episode season. podcast. Now <laughs> you know. You know what I mean? Next time you see John Sands, you could be like, "Yo, so about this pesto." Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is within out what I love it's not even that it's like a secret menu it's really just do you have the boldness to ask for what you really want Ooh. like there's no root beer floats on the menu but you know they have root beer and you know they have ice cream ergo what can what you do give me a root beer float please and then they'll just say yes and throw a price on it true and uh 
you know, in addition, we have a very special podcast today. True. <laughs> Aziza, tell them why it's so special. It's so special because on the podcast today, we have yet another one of my most excellent, most best friends in the universe. Mm. So that's like always dope. Um, I, If I told you how brilliant she was, then that would be the end of the podcast <laughs> and we'd have to have another podcast. Suffice to say, we have the amazing Kamon Felix in the building today. Before we get into the interview, we're going to do our favorite segment, uh, and that segment is, What's, What's on Your Mind? mind? <laughs> <laughs> What's fu- There's something so funny about that inflection. What's on Your Mind? <laughs> no, I always run out of breath, but you're... People, yeah. people come up to me, they're like, yo, what's on your mind? I I'm like, yeah. don't do that. <laughs> digital version of that, that which is. is real awkward. It's yeah. like, what? Period. On. Oh. Period. You're mine. But it has caps. to be U-R-M-I-N-D-E. It's Ooh. so... I, I agree. You're mine. They don't do it you're right. Mind. They just you're do mind. your mind. It has to be like that. It's confusing. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry so, about uh, that. <laughs> John Sands, what's on your mind? Well, so what's on my mind today? Uh, last month, I was watching a documentary on Netflix that I know many people... Uh, in particular, people who were enthusiasts of uh, maybe not just Outkast and Goody Mob, but the whole entire oh. uh, Dungeon family in the 90s and 2000s. And there was a documentary uh, about Organized Noise, which was the production team uh, that underlaid a lot of Outkast and Goody Mob's music. Uh, and there is a small part in the documentary where... Uh, so they didn't just underlay that music. They also made a song that is probably like one of the top five pop songs of all time, Water so- Waterfalls by, uh, by TLC. <laughs> uh, and so that's a big part of the documentary, right? <laughs> and you see the trio talking about it. It's, uh, you know, Rico Wade, Ray Murray, and Sleepy Brown. Yeah. <laughs> but they didn't write the song Waterfalls. It was written uh, by a dude who's introduced... In the documentary, his name is Marquez Etheridge, and you get this small part where he is, I mean, he's a very charismatic presence, uh, and he is talking about the creation of Waterfalls, and and it passes very quickly, so I'm just going to play it for you real quick. When I first heard Waterfalls... I was um, I was actually on my way to work. At the, well, I, well, actually, well, I'm still working now at the Marriott, and uh, I heard it on the radio, and I was like, "Mama!" I called. I said, "Mama, they playing my song on the radio." I don't think they knew how big that. So there you have it. Of course, that like is not unpacked, and you're like, "Hold on, that can't be true." That the dude who wrote Waterfalls wrote it while working at the Marriott and, and still, still works at the fucking Marriott. <laughs> no. The Marriott. No. Right? And no. just before like they get into waterfalls, you have this small clip with Rico Wade where he's like, uh, I still make money on waterfalls. And mm. so, you know, I don't wanna leave it only there because of course as a viewer you're like, how the fuck is that possible? Damn. But I Googled it like others who might Google it. And there is an additional, I think like Vine clip or maybe on YouTube where the you know members of Organized Noise are doing like a QA and 
clearly he got this question like how the fuck right. does this dude still have to work his day job if he wrote one of the top five songs of all time and you know like the only assurance you don't get Marquez Etheridge talking but you do get Rico Wade in the studio being like Marquez just works at the Marriott because he wants to work at the Marriott <laughs> not because he has to work at the Marriott he's just like that kind of dude trust me he's fine uh and so I, you know, so like confused. I think there's room to dig further into it. Yeah. But I, I both like can appreciate the type of person who's like, no, I just like appreciate this one kind of like side job I do, and yeah. I get a lot of good things out of it. But uh, I still am like trying to wrap my head around the fact that this dude, like, I don't know the ins and outs of the music industry, but it just doesn't check out that this dude wrote Waterfalls while working at the Marriott and still works at the Marriott. Yeah, like, I don't know. Because any of the benefits that you would get from working at the Marriott, you would get from being exorbitantly wealthy. Like, <laughs> you would have free rooms, you would have points, you, you would have share in Marriott if you liked it so much. I guess, I mean, I get enjoying service. Like, there's something to service, but... You're serving. I don't know. I'm. I'm. I'm bamboozled. I'm, I mean, I'm, this is the true reality of like, the like of like the music industry, where like mm-hmm. maybe all this time we thought folks were like making money, and mm-hmm. they dead ass were not. They just huh. like had side jobs at the Marriott, where they like <laughs> had like benefits. You know yeah. what I mean? Like maybe we thought folks were like out here like just, just like balling, like getting fucking king suites and shit, like all hoes <laughs> on deck, like. They're superstars and not dead ass. They just work at the Marriott. Wow. Like, and every once in a while, they get to just like, I don't know, promote the Marriott. Like, it's like in the Boondocks in the first season when Gangstalicious is kicking it with Riley. Mm-hmm. And he's like, where's your jet? Like, when they're running from the people who are chasing him. They're like, where's your jet? And he's like, we rented that jet. That's he's so like, funny. You're a fraud and you're broke. Yeah. Like, he was so disappointed. That is hip hop. I guess for me. Uh, the bigger question is why? Why did this strike you, John? Like, why is this what's on your mind? I mean, I don't have a great answer for that, other than that it seemed like an injustice mm-hmm. that has <laughs> stuck with me. And I think maybe at the same time as like reading this interview that just came out with Sherman Alexi, which is maybe uh, you know has been out for a while now that you're listening to this podcast, mm-hmm. where he's talking about his you know, how Hollywood keeps trying to lure him in to do a movie. They want to... Really? Yeah, like, they want to make a movie, and then he, like, pushes back, or he pulls in. But the part of it that struck me is that he said, like, he couldn't wrap his head around a very personal story that he's that he's written being made into a movie, and then sitting in the press junket and watching the <laughs> director up, like, answering these, like, personal questions, because the screenwriters don't end up in that press conference. That's absurd. That's absurd. And so I think just maybe I'm thinking a lot about the commercialization of art that is deeply personal and how disconnected it can become from the kind of like personal sparks that make the creativity happen hmm. uh, and how once it's commodified there are so many people who are available to take, you know, like I want to say credit but also... Uh, you know, like, Organized Noise did contribute to the making of that song, a hit. Sure. It's not mm-hmm. just like they stole it from Marquez Etheridge and made it a hit. Mm-hmm. But 
to understand that Waterfall started with this dude who was like on his way to work and was just singing it. That's just such a humble beginning for a song Mm -hmm. that my grandkids will know. Hmm. I'm thinking about that, especially in terms of like once you make a piece of art and you share it with the world, how not yours it is. Mm -hmm. And how that's not necessarily a problem as an idea, but it plays out in a lot of ways that feel like it, it, you know, could be harmful. Yeah. Yeah, that reminds me of um, recently uh, I got a call, a really good call, but it started with this person on the other end saying, like, oh, I saw you on YouTube. And I forgot that I exist in YouTube. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I forgot that that's a real estate Mm -hmm. that I occupy. Mm -hmm. And and it just kind of hit me, like, that's interesting. And, like, dancing in the show last night with the dance cartel, it was also interesting because you dance for a little bit. And then some of the audience members came up to me and they were like, I love you. And I was like, this is a misuse of this. <laughs> like, you, you are very kind and you also do not know me, me or love me. And, you know, it's That's weird. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. And it's okay. Right. It's like, but I think, I think what I would love in this country, because I feel like the music industry, when we say the music industry, mm-hmm. I feel like we're talking about the United States. Yeah. We're not necessarily talking about Europe or Africa or mm-hmm. all these other places. We're mm-hmm. talking about here. Mm-hmm. And I feel like here we don't teach each other um, in any avenue of business how to love something without feeling like you need to colonize it mm-hmm. or own it. Mm-hmm. It's like, you don't need to love me to mm-hmm. have liked the moment that you just had. Right. And you don't need, you know, the same goes with the song. It's just like, I don't, we find it we find it shocking that after doing one incredible thing that we don't get the world, you know, mm-hmm. because so many people did one incredible thing and got the world, you know? It's wow. like if you make the coffee holder the world, you know? <laughs> like so your hand doesn't get burnt, the world for you. You made a Q-tip, the world. You made a Ziploc bag, the world, you know? Like we're big on that and patents and owning and all that stuff, but cuz I don't think we know any other way, really. Do you feel like in that moment when that person comes up to you that you, like, that more accurate statement is like, I love how you made me feel? Yeah. Totally. And it is. And it doesn't take that much longer to say. <laughs> it, just, it, just, it just doesn't. Or just to be able to say, I loved your performance. Yeah. I lo-, because that's the honest truth. Like, that's yeah. what right. they actually meant, right? Is that, like, not that they love you, not that they love, that, not that they even know you to love you, that they, like, love what you gave to them in that moment. Mm-hmm. And I think we also have, like, a terrible habit of assuming that when someone, like, like, you know, the the saying, like, you get, like, I gave you an inch, you took a mile. Mm-hmm. Like, I think we have, um, as consumers, like, a terrible habit of assuming that when an artist, like, gives us a portion of themselves, that, like, they're giving us them in their entirety. Mm-hmm. And that, like, they owe it to us, too, you know? Like, yeah. that's that's one of the the things I'm sort of like, well, that's what's on my mind, actually. Yes, talk about it. What's on my mind? Okay, uh, Kanye, so, Kanye... <laughs> Um, did, uh, he was on Ellen, uh, I think it was this week. I didn't watch this yet. Um, I'd love to it, hear your point of view. It's pretty, it's, it's, it was pretty astounding. So I've been really frustrated with Kanye in the last, like, 
forever right. like the last like but not forever like the last right. three years or so um and just sort of like i used to think that he was like super prolific and like really profound and just like on his shit and then over the last few years it's just sort of like been waning and just like mm, okay kanye mm. and then he went on ellen and he said some stuff that not only have we said or have i myself expressed but have expressed with with that same amount of urgency that mm. same passion like this notion that like a first and foremost i know what i'm doing Mm-hmm. First and foremost, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Right? Which, like, we don't give artists enough, like, we don't give artists the agency to, like, say that. Not like, at when all. we, like, when an artist says that, like, we say that they're, like, too full of themselves or mm-hmm. they're not giving the, the work enough room to, like, you know, be explored. Like, no, screw that. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. And he also said, like, I'm here for, like, a much bigger purpose. Mm. And, like, I'm giving, like, the same amount of energy that I put into my music, I put into my sneakers. And, like, all of this is cyclical and is about, like, making the world an actual better place, like, the next stop. And and then he also sort of said, like, I come from a lineage of, like, change makers. Like, my mom was the first, you know, black professor and, you know, or teacher. It was the first black teacher um, or whatever she was. She Mm -hmm. was the first of something at, um, in her profession. And I've just been thinking a lot about how you can um you can be really uh, distanced from someone based mm-hmm. on like the little pieces of themselves they give you you know mm-hmm. so like the song he gives us here the sneaker he gives us there and then when they actually give you something you know so like for like three years I've been pissed off with him because <laughs> of these little pieces of himself that he's been giving that I find problematic or frustrating sure. or contradictory and then he gives us like 10 minutes right yeah. like 10 minutes of himself and you're like oh wow all this time I thought you were giving us something yeah. that was nothing that was just an accident that was just sort of like a permutation of you existing this sure. is you giving me something and like I don't know I'm sort of trying to figure out like do I owe it to Kanye to like to base my analysis of him on what he gives me Hmm. on what he has intentionally given to us versus like what we see of him what we only know of him because of paparazzi and because of celebrity culture and so on and so forth you know like yeah it's it's really because I feel like um it's funny, like, you were one of the first people I knew that, like, at our young age mm-hmm. had this happen to them mm-hmm. a lot. Like, people coming up to you and being like, oh my god, come on, like, yeah. ah, I love you, and mm-hmm. ah, all this stuff. And I just remember, like, watching this and being like, what's wrong with everyone? Like, yeah. leave, leave her alone. <laughs> Why are you doing you know? that? You don't and know me. it was just always to the end of, like, and I, and I think it goes to, like, a point that you're making, which is, like, we need to interrogate, like, why we want what we want yeah. from people we don't yeah. know, you exactly. know? Or that we know, as you would put it, John, like, that we know some. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know me some. You know me some. You know? And yeah. and we do know Kanye some. Yeah, we know Kanye some. But, like, we know Kanye's Kanye based on, like, what Kanye is giving. And then there are moments that are stolen from him mm-hmm. by the paparazzi, mm-hmm. by our culture, right? There are moments that are stolen from all of us. And, like, how do we sort of separate those, the moments that are stolen from us versus the moments that we give to people and, like, mm-hmm. our analysis of that? Yeah. That's I love that that's on your mind. That that's is a good thing mind. to be on your mind. Yeah. What's that? What's up? What's on your mind? What's on your mind? Um, I think what's on my mind is... Well, today it's Sunday, May 22nd. Uh, By the time you get this, it'll probably be August. And I may or may not be in New York then, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I might be leaving the city. And so what's on my mind is just, I think recently I've been feeling tired. I've been feeling tired 
and not not tired like physically tired although maybe that's part of it but just like kind of ground down Mm -hmm. um and i and i feel it now you know what i mean and i yeah i don't know so that's that's what i'm thinking about and i'm thinking about where i need to be and what i want to do and i don't know that that it's in new york although you might see me in august still here you know what i mean so who knows (laughs) but i guess i'm i'm thinking a lot about what i want for myself and what I don't want for myself and mm-hmm. where I want to be and where I don't want to be. Yeah, 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 And about, like, who's really seeing me and holding me. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's so important. I mean, like, I'm really grateful that you said that, especially on, like, this podcast, which I assume, like, a lot of artists and poets, you know, listen to. And it's something that I think a lot of... I've been hearing a lot that I don't think that we, like, honor enough the mm-hmm. fact that, like, New York City as a place is not just a place, you know? Yeah. Like, there are some people who can just, like, go to places and, like, exist. Mm-hmm. And then, but, like, this place is work. Like, here existing is, like, significant work. It's a different kind of work than elsewhere. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that, like, we don't, I don't think we're honest enough, like, on the real about how hard this place can be. Mm-hmm. And also, like, about how hard artists are working right now. We're working mm. really, really hard. So many jobs. Hard. So many jobs, and, and we're being pulled in so many different directions, and I can totally relate to feeling ra- like ground down for sure, and I just yeah. know that there are so many other artists um, and people in our, in our friends, like in our community in particular, who feel this way and are like ready to be done with this city, and like I just hope that we can like honored that collectively and like I have a really bad thing like especially like when Aziza left like yeah. I have a really bad thing of being so attached because I'm a New York City native and like mm-hmm. I've only known this place mm-hmm. I get really afraid when people like leave because I feel like there's going to be like a migration of all these people that I've like accepted who are not from here who are just going to sort of like leave me here without them mm-hmm. and I've like built my here life around these people who are not from here yeah. but like I'm starting to understand that I have to just like honor that migration oh. like if they're going to go they must go like that's just what they need like when you left Aziza it was very (laughs) it was like very hard I still get like really emotional when you come home for a little while and like maybe I don't or come here and I don't get the chance to like see you but I'm learning to like a grow up and like B honor the fact that like this place isn't for everyone and it's not healthy for everyone and that's like this place hurts people and awesome if you can do it but if you can't like Please don't. <laughs> like, right? Like, because it was, like, hard as shit leaving, you yeah. know? Um, because, like, because of that, because, yeah. I mean, as a person who's not lived here, mm-hmm. I build my life consistently around people who are not from L.A. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and like, so it means that my life has to be um, a collection of places and a collection mm-hmm. of time where mm-hmm. I'm always missing someone. Yeah. You know, that's why AWP this year was like so great, except you couldn't come, which made, I'm pointing at, come on, which made me so sad in my heart. But yo, if you were there, then it all would have been like actually 100% perfect. perfect, which is crazy that it was at like 98, you yeah. know, like 99. Like yeah. to have that influx of people that I've met and loved and made homes with who aren't from LA with the people I've made homes with in LA. Mm-hmm. I, I think I cried every day. Wow. I was just like, I can't believe this. But I think, and last night it, it put in perspective for me, like what exactly is hard about this place? Yeah. Because like, I think artists right now, like we have, we have to be multifaceted in our skill sets, yeah. you know, like you can't just be a painter. You have to be a painter yeah. and an educator. And maybe you work at a bank and maybe you work in, you know, people's offices and maybe you design apartments. I don't know. Like you have to do mad shit. Like I have a friend who's an actress and a realtor, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which is actually perfect 
perfect because you get like one or two gigs and four thousand dollars and shit is great. Right. Uh, for all you actresses, be realtors. It, it <laughs> might be confusing and problematic work. Eh, work it out for yourself. Um, she <laughs> mostly tries to house artists, which right. I think is how she deals with it. Um, shout out to Vanessa, you're awesome. And <laughs> but last night I figured out what's hard for me about this place, especially, and I finally have language for it is that moments like this can happen, right? Mm -hmm. So I was at your home, come mm -hmm. on, and, like, the mutual, you know, such-and-such such a homie was there. And um, me and your wonderful partner were mm -hmm. DJing, mm -hmm. and then such-and-such such a person, like, changed the song. And I was right. like, oh, that's fine, but can you play Spodiodi Dopalicious by <laughs> Outkast? Which I think is just, who doesn't want to listen to that song at all a party. the time? At a party where people are, like, you know, lounging, you mm -hmm. know? And so he's like, oh, and I, 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 I'm going to play this Nas song first. I'm going to play this Nas song first. Truly, wanted to play If I Ruled the World. Truly, that was the song he wanted to play in the vibes moment. Which, Nas, I love you. But if I the world, it's not pretty music. You know it's not. You didn't make it for that. So I was confused, <laughs> but okay. I was like, all right, you're not going to listen to me. Because I asked him a bunch of times. I was like, all right, you play that, I play this. And he's like, yeah. About an hour later, your wonderful partner goes in and says, please play Spodiodi Dopalicious. I don't even think he said please. Just play Spodiodi Dopalicious. He's like... <laughs> Facts, man, that shit is great. Played it immediately. I'm like, all right, all right, all right, cool. Later on in the night, we're all in a cab, such and such a person and two homies of mine. And the, the cab driver's name is Muhammad. And because he has an Arabic name and I have an Arabic name, he, ha he has to ask. He's like, well, you know, are you Muslim? Like, where are you from? I'm like, no, I'm not. My dad just liked the name. He's like, well, are you Muslim? I'm like, no. He's like, are you Christian? I'm like, eh. You know, it's the closest, right, right. that we got because my mom raised me that way. Mm -hmm. And then he goes like, well, you know, if you do not accept Allah into your heart, you are, in fact, going to hell. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, Muhammad, I'm aware. Thanks. You know, it's like, you can have her one. Heard that before. Take it. Thanks. Take it. I'll Appreciate go, it. Not I'll even go Maddie, to hell. Bro. You get the fare. Don't. It's fine. Right. You know, I don't need that. And then this person in the back was just like, wait. Wait a second. What you mean she going to hell? And it's just like, oh, Christ. Now we're going to go down the rabbit hole. And he's just like, hey, 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 why are you saying that? He's like, well, you know, she's going to go to hell because she hasn't accepted Christ. You know, and he's like, I don't believe in Christ, Allah, whatever. It's just energy. I don't give a fuck. Energy, energy. And I'm like, okay. That's rude. You know what I mean? And I'm just like, oh, I don't care. It's 3 a.m. I don't care. You know, and this is also not where the fight is. And I think my thing with New York is that, some folks have decided that the fight is in everywhere and in everyone and in everything. Mm. Like, if I fight with you now, Muhammad, I'm fighting with the entire Muslim population. And if I fight with you now, Muhammad, I'm fighting with all men who talk like you. But the funny thing was, such and such a dude was, you know, silencing women the whole night. You silencing know what I mean? You the whole night. The me the whole night. The you know? He thought he was, like, trying to, like, defend. It's hilarious. Because then he goes on to say, like, well, you know, like, why can't can God be a woman? And in the and I'm like, why are you even asking this question? This has nothing to do with anything. And he was like, um, uh, no, God cannot be a woman. I mean, I cannot know Allah, but I know that that can't happen. <laughs> and and he's like, well, why, why, why? And you know, me and the other woman in the car, are just like, okay. we don't need to have this conversation because we already understand. We know why. Like, we know why. Why he thinks that? Why and, he thinks that? And then you the cab why. driver said, like, all oh, the women in this car know why they can't be God. They know their place. And then dude in the middle just goes off. He's like, well, I just think you just are the worst. You're the devil. You're the craziest. I can't stand you. You but fuck also, this guy. Like, what's so hard this about New York is that like, the, in those moments, it's so hard to make it what you need it to be. So yeah. like, for instance, just hearing that phrase, like, 
the women in this cab like know why God can't be a woman. For me, like it's so interesting, but that almost sounds poetic to me. It almost it sounds always, beautiful. yeah. I almost want it tattooed on my body, right? Yeah, it's almost sarcasm. Yeah, in and of itself, it's almost just inherently flawed. Yeah, it's so flawed that it's almost the opposite. Yeah, it's almost like if I tattoo it on my body, the opposite is what's you true. You become subversive. I become subversive. Yeah. Like I am God. You yeah, know? And you know what I mean. And it's like where New York steals that ability for you to poeticize things sometimes. Yeah. Like sometimes yeah. I just want the thing that hurts me to be beautiful. Yeah, sometimes. But it sometimes. can't be, you know, like, and that's I think what what yeah. is so I love that you say that because yeah. that's that's the thing about this place that you can't. My mom said like you know, but of course you come here to be like you know charged like yeah. artistically. Yeah. It does that because I heard that and I, and I had exactly a response. It was like, well, that's a poem. Right. The women know why they can't be God. I mean, that's a group poem. That I mean, we're, we're gonna write. Right <laughs> you heard it first. Putting a note in my phone. Thank right? you. All Thank right. you very much. No, but yeah, it, and it goes on. And and eventually, you know, such and such a dude, like we're listening. Mohammed's like, okay, well, let's play some music. And I'm almost done with what's on my mind. <laughs> okay, let's play some music. And he plays some music, and it's like, you know, Bangladeshi music. And I'm like, oh, it's a pretty song. It's the first thing I've said in about a half hour. It's a pretty song. And he's like, it's a song about God. I'm like, okay, so that's <laughs> God's cool. I'm cool with God. You know how many songs you love that that's are like actually though? a song about some shit that's that you fair. don't love? That's not funny. That's not funny. Like, like yeah, this song is lit. It's about God. I'm and then such and such a dude in the back is like, yo, play some jazz. I don't want to hear this shit anymore. It's fucking problematic shit. I'm like, okay. He's like, play 88.3. I want to listen to jazz. And I'm like, I love jazz, but it's not about that. Right. And so he turns it to the jazz station after I've said, hey, let the man play his music. I said that. Mm-hmm. And then he turns it to the jazz station. I'm like, interesting, usurping? Cool. And then he's like, um... Uh, once it, and, and such and such a dude in the back is like, yo, turn it up, turn it up. And I'm like, no. So it just basically became a pissing <laughs> contest between men. Everyone's peeing. And Everyone's just peeing. Peeing. New York City. <laughs> I just, it's and so that, much And that's peeing. the metaphor for New York City sometimes. Yeah. Where, like, sometimes you're in a room of 30 people mm-hmm. and you expect to, like, you know, feel joy. And you expect to, like, receive, like, mm-hmm. for there to be, like, reciprocity. And then you look up and there's just been, and there's just piss everywhere. Simply urine. And you're like, how do we... How do we get here? There's I'm ice sure. cream cake in the freezer. <laughs> somehow there's piss on the floor. Yo. You motherfuckers fuck it all up. You fucked it up. You fucked up the cake. But, you know. Hey, that's a cool group piece. We'll write that. Yeah, down. I think we're already writing it. Cool. It's a joyful thing. <laughs> Great. But, so, New York. It's where you from. You want to yeah. talk about where you from? Yeah, boy. <laughs> I'm from the Bronx. I'm from the boogiest mm. down. The yes. boogie boogie. The bigs. Um... I'm from I'm from the Bronx. I'm from the part of the Bronx uh, where like where like you could easily get confused. Like mm. when you get off the train, um, like when you get off the actual, you know, there's like two or three or different three different train stops by which you can like get to my part of the hood, right? And it's like you could take the Metro North, upon which like if you took the Metro North, you would see green. Mm. You would see like you know. You would see green and like light, and it would like look like they're going to a great place. And then like the stop is called like Fordham University, like now right. like East Fordham. Yeah. You know I mean? <laughs> so like you get off and there's like brick, and you think, wow, look at this big, ah, uh, yeah. joy, right? But then you get off on the four train on mm-hmm. Jerome, and you get off, and then there's just it's just people, it's just mills and mills of people, just like just just it's like sardines, and mm-hmm. I love it, and mm-hmm. I and I loved it. Um, so I grew up on East Fordham. Um, I went to, 
uh, like three different high schools. <laughs> I went to maybe I went to four different high schools. I, I, went, I went to Dewey Clinton, uh, and then I went to Law Government Justice, and then I went to um, like a, a like a small. Uh, what's it called, a small alternative school, mm-hmm. and it didn't work out for me there, so I wound up at another alternative school where I finally graduated with a 1.2 GPA. Um, it ain't tricking if you got it, man. It ain't tricking <laughs> if you got it, right? Um, it, and it was, it was an interesting upbringing for me because um, it's funny, in, in, ta- in going back to what we were just talking about, I actually find that I had a real easy time making my life um, poetic when I was younger before I even making like the bad stuff poetic when I was younger before I even like knew what poetry was before I even knew that it was going to be important to me Um, and maybe those are some of the things I'm trying to uh, sort of like get through or work through in my poetry just like how poetic the upbringing actually was regardless of how violent um, and how scared and how scared I was and how scary it was yeah. it was also like poetic and wildly beautiful yeah. um, so I cut school a lot like that's pretty much like the I want to say like the like the platform by which like I exist like, <laughs> this idea of like um, the day being sort of like divided by multiple, in, like the day being, of, like how do I say? Basically, let me just give you like the rundown of like a typical day. Yes, like, please give us yeah. give us a day in the life. Give us a day in the life. In like like eleventh grade, <laughs> sun comes up. I've already been up till two, right? And like, the sun comes up at like what time? The sun comes up at like six. Got you. Right, I'm up. My mom trying to get up. a sense of the season. My mom's an attorney. My mom was um is is a lawyer. She's been a lawyer at the New York City Transit Authority for a long time. Mm-hmm. She doesn't make much money there. She never really has made much money. Um, being an attorney in New York City is actually a lot less. Um, generative than them, than some might think especially mm. when you're a single mom of three kids mm. and like you're a black woman who like was like about that black girl life right? yeah. like she refused to cut her dreads off like she was gonna go into the courthouse with her dreads and that just meant that there were certain jobs she couldn't get mm. that was just that um so I would wake up my mom would be up um and me and my mom were always had were very close but at the same time like that closeness meant a lot of tension yeah. so you know one morning I might make up and me and my mom would be like yo it's so good like I can't the day's about to be lit or wake up and she's like get the fuck out of my face I do not fuck with you and it's like mm, word understood um so usually she'll leave uh, I'll leave before her and I would like go upstairs like in the in my building like just go two flights up and just like wait in the staircase for her to leave mm-hmm. her perfume is very strong so I always <laughs> knew when she like left left because wow. the trail would be going behind her because I'd staircase. smell it she smells wild. like frankincense um, wow. and sometimes what I would do is I would sometimes like leave and just like go to the store and then I would sort of like come back around the corner when I thought I smelled her super pungent like <laughs> I really don't get it or like you know my hood was like super close knit so I'd yeah, hear someone like have a good day Alice and she would say you too blah 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 alright cool and then I would go back inside and honestly like I would immediately roll up or pack a bowl mm-hmm. um, and I would smoke and then maybe my best friend um, in middle school in high school my best friend would come over um, who I started cutting school with early in the day and we'd like smoke Maybe, like, take a shot of something, go to Burnside. Like, I had a boyfriend on Burnside. Like, she had a boyfriend on Burnside. And, like, the other chick we chilled with had a boyfriend on Burnside. Dang, Burnside. Wow, yeah. Burnside was lit. Like, Burnside was too lit. 
son. So it's dead ass beat. It's like a whole day. Y'all don't understand. It was like I went to school though. That's what's so interesting. So it's like 10:30 we're on Burnside, right? 10:30 in the morning. What the fuck are we doing? <laughs> like five. Like we're like 12 years old on yeah. Burnside, right? No, I'm chilling with my boyfriend. My boyfriend was super cool, super eclectic. Like this dude who like didn't go to school but definitely went to work. Like he was Belizean. Mm-hmm. Never went to high school here. Super brilliant. I had a brilliant, brilliant mind. Would not touch me. He was like 19 and I was 13. Would not touch me. But that was still my boyfriend though. Real uh, life. Real life. Uh, right? Like you understand my standards. This is why I don't like understand pedophiles. Like, I, I just you know whatever. So. That would be a sort of typical day. We would like, you know, you know, play around, get high, go out in the street, walk some more, get into a fight with somebody, have to run from the cops maybe, mm-hmm. like come back to the house, smoke weed, and then my day would end around 4 p.m. Wait, this is a weekday? This is a weekday right. on like a Wednesday. <laughs> my day would end at like 5 p.m. and then I would go pick up my little sisters from after school. Mm-hmm. And then I was the kid who picked up her sisters who then had to go home and report to her mom. So after a whole day of like just like being outside just like trapping, like turns, you know what I mean? Like at my best friend's projects, now we going to Parkside. Now well, we how going old to, are you? I'm like 15. Like, I didn't know you then, right? No. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> like right before Urban, this is okay. like right before Urban. Yeah. Like this is like between ages like 12 and 15. Mm. And But maybe at this point, the height of it, I'm like 14. I'm just like running around the city with reckless abandon. At this point, I don't give a fuck. Like yeah. I can fight I'm cute and my mom is a lawyer. We out here, right? Like that's it. We out here. And like at some point, my breasts can't go. So real. So real. So real. And then at some point, um, I started making music and I got down with like um we in like 2005, what was popping were these things called ENTs. Girl, y'all had ENTs had too. E- it was oh late. my god, LA had ENTs. Not to cut you off at all, late. but LA had late. ENTs and we we coveted the ENTs. E- like oh, Dixon oh. ENT. Wait, what? Pink it's dollars. Like an it's like a clique. It's like a gang, but oh. that isn't violent. So it was yeah. like a gang of like of of, of, of like artists. And they're usually um, very young. And they're usually making like a song young. a week. Making like, a song, like like cranking shit out. So yeah. it's down. So it's a creative collective. It's a creative collective. That's but it's but it's also like uh, it's a creative collective, but it's also like um, like a territory collective as yeah. well. Mm. So you know what I mean. So once I got down with with fame, then I spent <laughs> a lot of time on a certain in a certain part of the Bronx huh. with a certain group of people who I'm still very close to. Nice. Um, and that's when I really and started you were writing. To- then? Um, I had just started like writing music, so I was songwriting, okay. um, and what writing songs. Um, like you know, nigga, like <laughs> like uh, I'm your bitch. You couldn't see it at home either, but like a whole new wave of energy came over. That was amazing. I'm lit, you lit, we lit. Like yo, that's cute. Does that mean that there's like? In the vault, some commercial. Oh, definitely. What? Oh, oh definitely, definitely. Dude, America, your job is to see if you can dig up the <laughs> <laughs> Come on, can you send us one yes, that we I can will. play it at the end I of this will. episode? I will. We oh, have yeah. oh, my God. We can outro this. Wow. We're gonna, you're going to be the first outro that is not our intro. That music. is not your intro? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so... That's sort of like, um, and that's that is where, at that intersection of like being a hood rat and being a creative, is when I started to like 
A, fall in love with that intersection as an actual place, like as mm-hmm. a location, versus something to escape. And uh-huh. so I was always really confused by like people who were like, I gotta get out the hood, like I gotta leave the hood. I'm like, why the hood is lit? Like, <laughs> like we're trying to go, right? Uh-huh. But at the same time, I was still of the persuasion that like I still owed the hood something. Uh-huh. So if I just stay here, right, with nothing to give, then I'm just like taking, right? Mm. And like I don't really understand how this happened, but, like, very early I got imbued with notions of, like, reciprocity and, like, giving and, like, service. I don't really know where it came from because I was really out here trapping. But mm-hmm. at some point in my head, like, something, like, switched and I was like, no, like, I got a lot from these people. Well, I so, feel like, I'm sorry. No, no, no it's okay. But I feel like trapping actually and, like, the the way it works is, is reciprocity. That? Yeah, it is Like, totally. Like, and that's just sort of, like, I give, you give. You give. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. something that I learned really early. So, like, um, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to give him a shout out, like, Stacks. Mm-hmm. It, my... My, you know, my mom says, like, that's her only son. My mom has never had any boys. And when I was really young um, and I started, like, you know, making stuff, he put me under his wing and I was super duper protected. Yeah. Um, there was a time where, like, he called me because he was, like, about to die. Like, him and, like, another one of my really good friends are getting shot at by, like, these dudes that they had beat with for a long time. And he calls me just to make sure I'm nowhere around. Wow. Fam, what are you doing? I'm in the house. Yeah. Thank right. God. But you about to die and I can't help you. Yeah. And it was those moments where I was like, fuck, I dead ass can't help him. Like, I really, really can't. Like, there, the only thing I could do would be to go there and, like, die with him. Like, wow. that's the only option I have right now. Sure. And that's when I started to, like, really get imbued with, like, these notions of, like, having to, like, get bigger and, like, give back in, like, a real-ass way. Yeah. Um, so like I started to think about like how do I like bring like like okay all my friends are artists like all my friends were rappers at that time producers this and this motherfuckers could barely get to shows we have no money you know people can't make beats they didn't have they can't afford Pro Tools Pro Tools is like a thousand dollars a drop and so I started thinking about like what are ways that we can like bring these resources to the community and that's when I started to find Urban Word because I started like writing poems and things like that Um, and and I started to understand that the community the artist community I had come from at that little intersection it had given me more as as much as I could get mm-hmm. in terms of like craft not in culture like yeah. in culture you know it, it's forever it will go forever right. but in terms of craft I needed something a little bit more elevated mm-hmm. um, and it was when I found the poetry community that I realized how many of the people in the poetry community were living at the same intersection yeah. that I was you know or also cutting school were also you know smoking weed and like getting arrested and like not really knowing what their lives were about but like they had had culture and they had craft and like mm. they had smarts and they were trying to like make something of it mm. so I got really comfortable I think like around 16 just sort of like living in my truth like yeah I'm a hurrah and my pen is fire like, <laughs> and that's just and I'm not gonna try to escape that um I like got, I, I think for a little while I was doing the whole like do I have to like pretend to like be like proper or like clean mm. like organized and I'm just and I'm not I mean like Carvins would have to have, have to pull me to the side all the time like fam you can't just pop on people like that Mikhail would be like yo you can't just talk to people like that <laughs> shout out to Mikhail shout, shout out, out to, to Mikhail Carvin. shout out to Carvin shout out to Michael Sorelli and so on and so forth and that's when I realized that like the only way that I would actually become like a healthy person is to just like live in that truth like I needed niggas to just like check me and be like nah you can't talk like that like you're in a professional setting like you you're about to do a commercial with Nickelodeon so this is how you have to sign a contract and blah 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 Mm -hmm. I needed that training yeah um and I feel like that's sort of where I've that's that's where I'm that's where I'm from (laughs) if that makes sense I'm from that intersection of like needing really badly to like maintain culture and like maintain like loyalty to like 
place and placement, which is like first and foremost New York City, yeah. and like secondary, like the hood everywhere, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then like the necessity to um, show that the hood is like multidimensional, yeah. and that like the hood has dualities, and that everybody has dualities, mm-hmm. and that like the only way that we allow for that to be true in the future, only way we allow for like another little hood red chick to be able to like write some poems and like get popping and get a book deal and so on and so forth, is to yeah. like allow those dualities and like show them and celebrate them. That's that's yeah. just sort of like what my whole thing is. The whole thing. The whole fucking thing. Dude. Wow. I what I love so much like about you and about, you know, always being able to like call you and shoot the shit with you is that like I feel like first and foremost you're just a storyteller. Like, you know, I could just and, and you could see it. It just reminds me of like right now I'm reading Jazz by Toni Morrison mm-hmm. and the way she talks about New York in that book is like the way you talk about New York. Like this is a very New York podcast mm-hmm. right now. It's like a love letter to it. Yeah. And I feel like people from New York know how to write love letters to their city, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Cuz it's an ugly ass city. Mm-hmm. It really is. It's ugly, painful. I mean, look, the same guy was just talking about sex. <laughs> Love you, bro. Um, like, you know, like, just not not long before he sort of put me under his wing, he got his arm chopped off, like, mm-hmm. by a machete, like, right outside of school, like, in this game fight. That shit was crazy. <laughs> like, and then my man walked, like, ten blocks, and, like, not one cop was, st- I mean, bleeding, passing out every block. Like, I mean, Bronx Avenue is not that far, but the Grand Concourse is large, you know what I mean? And there's just paddy wagons of cops just driving by, and there's just blood. They're all soaked in blood, and, like, nobody would stop. And this is this guy is, like, like my, like, my angel, you know? And it's like, what would have happened if he would not have been, like, what if, he, if I actually would have lost him at that time, if we would have lost him. Yeah. And, like, that's what makes, like, those, those are where the love letters come from, where it's like, I am not stupid enough, nor am I disillusioned or misillusioned enough to, like, walk around pretending like New York City is the shit because mm-hmm. it's totally safe and, mm-hmm. you know, all, no, it's the shit because of those moments, because of these moments where, like, you you shouldn't be able to find joy or find, like, you know, comfort but you do the comfort is in the fact that he is alive and that like he went to to the hospital and they did surgery and they reattached his arm and now three out of five of his fingers work like that's the magic right like the magic is not that it happened the magic is the afterwards and i feel like it's really only like you it's really hard to like see that magic and like know that that magic's there if you're not like really from here like this city will fuck you up but if you were not born into born into getting fucked up you can't be okay with it it's yeah. impossible why would you that's suicide that's yeah. stupid like why would you come somewhere to get fucked up no I'm I only love this place and I'll stay here because all I know is getting my ass beat hmm. and that's how I've learned to fall in love and that's what's me giving me grit and giving me success and yeah. so you know it's like that's why I get so much when people say like I can't do this city I can't do it I'm like yo for real no beef at all. I really get it. Yeah. I'm almost sad for myself that I can, but I can. And, like, that's why I yeah. write the beautiful poems. And, like, that's why the love letters happen. Because for some reason, this city this city has privileged me. Yeah. This city has, like, put me on the map. And that's just not 
true for everyone and I feel really lucky yeah. to have been able to like get spanked like spanked <laughs> like get fucked up and like still be able to like look it in the eye and be like nah but we here though like yeah. this is my this is my city you know yeah do you feel like the amount of traveling that you've done and the amount of like other places that you've seen have deepened your love from New York yeah. or do you feel yeah definitely uh. deepened it it's super I mean I'll just say every time no matter where I fly from it's so astounding. I almost wish I could, but it's such an emotion. You can't record it. I almost wish I could record it. But every time I land, the border or JFK doesn't even happen when I land in Newark, which is why I just don't do. It. Like, I just don't bother. Every Newark, time, you don't do it. I don't want to do that. I don't know anybody that likes the armpit of America. Fight me if you want to. Like, sorry, New Jersey. The armpit of America, right? And it's like when I land in JFK or LaGuardia. Literally, there's a breath when the wheels hit the floor, and that yeah. is a breath. I'm just like, ah, we here, <laughs> what's up? Like, we home, you know. Yeah. And there's just no matter where I go, no matter where I go, no matter how astounding the experience, no matter how welcomed I feel, no matter how warm, I uh, I can't. You gotta come home, I gotta come home, and nothing feels better than being here. And I think it's also knowing. So, for instance, uh, I, one what really sort of, like, checked me recently or, like, put me on my ass was when I was at B&B last summer. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, especially living in New York City, it can be really easy to forget how much you've done because a lot of people are doing a lot of things, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, for myself, I'm like, whatever, yeah, right for Team Vogue. Like, I used to work for Do Something. It's, like, not a big deal. It doesn't matter. Who cares, right? Mm-hmm. And then I go to b and I'm in Atlanta, and I'm with people who are, like, from all over the country, right? But also people who are from Atlanta who are, like, my age, probably more competent than I am at some of the shit I do, like, probably better at the shit I do. And they're like, yo, how... How did you do this? Like, how were you in DFC, like, signed to this driver's role and writing for Team Vogue and doing all this? And the honest truth is, you have to, like, you can't even lie. You can't be like, well, I'm just so intelligent and I'm just, you know. <laughs> she I'm says just, that she pops collar yeah. and you know, like, so pretty. And... <laughs> I'm just so smart and I'm just so talented. Like, that's a fucking lie. It has nothing to do with that. Like, the reason why I've done all this is because this city has allowed me to do so. Yeah. It's because I have the privilege of being raised here and of... At 19, being connected to someone who is just going to happen to be, like, almost editor-in-chief at Team Vogue. Right. You know? That is that is the luck, you know? And the luck of, like, yeah. growing up in a community where I'm taking workshops with Aracelis Gourmet. How do you... It, you can't take that credit. You can't just be no. like, well, I'm just no. brilliant. It's like, no, this city has, like, set me up to be as great as I possibly could right. be. And has given me every tool by which to do that. And the so joy like. of this place is that, is <laughs> yeah. that it, it kind of, like, what I love about here, and the reason I keep coming back here isn't just that I've made homes with the people here, like, that's a big thing, of course, but, like, I don't know, like, I, I always have work here, mm-hmm. I always have readings here, mm-hmm. I always dance here, mm-hmm. I always make stuff here, yeah. like, I visit my beautiful auntie, who, also the Bronx, you know, born and raised, so, like, my dad and my auntie and my uncle Keith who's, you know, longer with us, all born and raised in the Bronx, right? So for me, I have such a deference to New York right. because it's literally my lineage. Right, right, right. And Ellis Island, you know, Ellis Island, Bronx. Right. That's, that's you know, it. from my dad's side, that's it. And, like, growing up with my dad and, and still growing with my dad, like, that's my best friend, you know? That's the person who I've always wanted to be because for him, you know having a life he didn't want was just never an option. It was like, look, I've been handed a weird 
stack of cards mm-hmm. and you're asking me to do stuff with it and you haven't told me how mm-hmm. and you kind of left me out to for dead but the fact you know? that the, but, but but the fact that the cards have the made in New York sign on them just makes them that much more stronger I don't Means know what something. the fuck to do with these cards I I mean let's be real right I'm 17 I'm like all right I write some of my light poems I'm not getting into college, right? That's just not going to happen. I have a 1.2 GPA. I applied mm-hmm. to Sarah Lawrence. Not only did they reject me, they rejected me so hard that, like, when I got the envelope back, it was already open. Like, they didn't seal it. Like, the what? rejection. Like, my, they didn't even seal my rejection, B. Well, that like, is I, also poetic. I, I'm telling you. Oh, shout. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then they paid so me $1,000 to do a reading there. It's great. It's fine. That's <laughs> uh, fine. Um, and then it's like... How and you know I'm 17. I got a nice pen, but my mouth is crazy. You know I'm 17. I have a work ethic, but I have no professionalism. I have no inkling of professionalism. And then you know I'm 17. I have like this real big community, but I don't know how to take advantage of it, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like you're looking. You're like, okay, he, here are my cards. The city is not being very nice about telling me how <laughs> to organize them, but they've been given to me, yeah. and like all I have to do is sort of like use, use them. them. Yeah. And now we're 24. And we're doing it. Yeah. Like, right? Like, not we're, bad, man. We're not, we're not bad. And we're <laughs> never going to see it. What I love about this is that for any of us at this table, I think we're never going to see what we've done for what it really is. Yeah. You know, like, never, never. I mean, my dad, and shout out to you, Craig Barnes, you're wonderful. You I feel too like, late, Craig Barnes, you too Seriously. Late. Like, I feel like you will never see, like, how much you've changed everyone you've touched right you know and like everyone's capable of that but i will say like growing up with a man who grew up in the south bronx with some really weird cards yeah like i don't know it it does something to you it just makes you value i think like i don't i remember so vividly like running with my dad for Mm -hmm. the first time like Mm -hmm. i'm nine and he's training for a marathon Mm -hmm. which i just thought was this impossible thing like how are you gonna run for that long it's so long it does and i want to do one one day but i just think it's so crazy yeah Yeah. and it's like and not in the pejorative like hate mental illness crazy just like in the how on earth astounding crazy right yeah yeah and um I always feel the need to make that very clear. <laughs> and um, and so I'm running with my dad. We run like two miles. But I'm able to keep up with them the whole time. And I remember I ran back to the house and my dad was like, you did that. Yeah. And he looks at me like this impossible thing. He's like, you did that. And yeah. I was like, you know, I did, you know. Yeah. And and I, I was so emotional because I was like, but you've done... Like so much, but no. Seriously but impossible things. Yeah. And I just ran two miles. Yeah. But you're able to recognize that yeah. for me... It was a big deal. Well, I you think know? you're able to recognize process. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like that's the number one, that's like the biggest light bulb you, that yeah. clicks for any, I want to say artist, but really anybody trying to build anything is mm-hmm. that you stop confusing other people's product for your process. Mm-hmm. Wow. And you begin recognizing the small failures that you will never publicize, that you will never advertise, that and you will begin never to be trust written the process. in your obituary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you recognize other people's stuff and you say, damn, man, they're doing that and I'm like super fucked up yeah. over here, mm-hmm. confused or thinking about this other thing. Yeah. But they don't spotlight, and nobody spotlights their confusion. Yeah. You know, yeah. like we don't really. And I think that's something too that like is really important to me in my own journey um, that I hope to have the opportunity to do is just to like, I mean, Aziza knows my lows have been low, yeah, dude. Bro. I've had some fucking, I've had some violently low lows. Just last summer, where was I? Two weeks from now, 
definitely about to kill myself. Where was I? Aziza calling my boyfriend to find a way to get into my house because I had just been fired in the most violent way yeah. ever. In the most violent, destructive way ever. My, I, had, I was literally crushed. And a year later, what happens? I have a master's degree. I work for the governor of New York State. Like, we cool. Like, we chilling, right? And it's like, that's the other thing about this city is that your lows... Boy, them lows, lows. But if you can just like, if you can just weather the lows, your highs will feel so good. And that's what I, that's what I like learned. That's what this city has like really taught me more than anything else is to trust the lows, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think that, you know, I, I hope to never knock on wood, but I hope that in the future I'll never have a kind of low that makes me as low as I was last summer because yeah. being able to bounce back from that low just shows me that the lows just can never get that low again. It just can never happen. Yeah. And it's that, it's those realizations that make you want to trust the process even more, that makes me want to trust the next time where I'm totally confused and things don't make sense and I feel like maybe I don't have a reason to be here. Like, mm-hmm. you got to trust those moments and, like, live in them. Because if I didn't have that seven weeks last summer, after getting fucking fired and being told that basically I wasn't worth shit and that, like, I wasn't worth my weight in salt, like... Those seven weeks ended up becoming a vacation. Those seven weeks literally ended up becoming a vacation from life, one that I needed to be able to get prepared for the year that I wound up having. Yeah. Like, seven weeks later, I was in... For the blessing. Seven weeks later, I was in a master's program. Seven weeks later, I was writing, like, article after article after article about race for Teen Vogue, which is something that they hadn't done ever. Yeah. I helped initiate them into that phase just by not having shit to do. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Just by not having shit to do. And it's trusting the process and trusting the fact that the next time you get low, that, like, you're going to come out of it. I don't know how long you're going to be there. I can't make... You know, I can't... Can't make that decision for you, but I know, yeah. like I know, I'm gonna be, like I'm gonna be fine. I'm gonna be super fine. Yo, come on. This has gone way too fast. I know. It really has. It's killing <laughs> me. We gotta have you back on. Yeah. You know, like, I agree. To do a part time, two. We're gonna have to have you back. Okay, dude. Because we didn't even special. get into like the real nitty grit of like post urban word, and you've had You're such right. an unbelievable, oh, dude. You know. Last like by yoke and yeah. you know what I mean. Uh, new book coming out. Just by what's the new book coming out? Um, this is gonna come out in August. I I don't know yet. I don't know when it's gonna come out, but I'm hoping that it's gonna come out fairly soon. Um, I'm She's in the semi-finalist. I'm a semi-finalist for Pummet River, and if I win, they publish me. I think even if I don't win. That they're likely that they they might publish me, which is a really great thing to be able to think about or even just consider. I sure. hope that it comes true. Um, so it's called "Build Yourself a Boat," um, and <laughs> and it very much is about sort of everything we're talking about. It's about uh, well, can I talk about it real quick or do we move on? Yeah, um, it's about um, so it's about the individual and also about the collective. I'm trying to explore like individual trauma and also like collective trauma um, and trying to understand the ways that we work through trauma and in sort of like non-traditional ways. So in particular, like I'm I'm doing dealing with a lot of different stuff. Like it's pretty big philosophically and also pretty big like intellectually. And I, I believe or at least I'm trying to write into the lineage that I feel I've been able to like locate myself in, which is like this lineage of poets who are trying to find ways to like talk into, write into blackness without mm-hmm. like pronouncing 
blackness um or be the gate or be the to gatekeepers blackness. to blackness you know just um really just an exploration of race that is not about who's right and who's wrong but about the jazz the magic you know um and so right now i'm thinking so build yourself a boat is ultimately about what it looks like for us to be done with the interruption mm. um for us to like be beyond the interruption. And so, for instance, like, for the black collective body, the interruption is the Atlantic slave trade, yeah. right? And But, like, for my individual body, one of my interruptions was, like, was like rape mm-hmm. um, and sexual assault at a very young age. And so I'm trying to explore within this book and through some of these poems, one that I'll read today, like, how, how we get beyond the interruption. And does that mean that it's, like, you know, the spotless mind? That it's, like, it's almost mm-hmm. like it never happened? It doesn't even matter? that it happened or do we get to a place a almost staticky place right where like you know that it happened and you have sort of like embodied the the happening of the interruption you've embodied the interruption so much that it no longer interrupts you you've mm-hmm. actually somehow like broken out of it transformed it um and so i'm trying to think like what does what will the black community what will the world actually look like once the interruption of the Atlantic slave trade has stopped. Um, Both emotionally, sociopolitically, um, and and just like kinetically. And then what does my individual self, what do I look like once the interruption has stopped, Mm. which is sexual assault? And does the interruption stop? Mm. Has it stopped? Um, And I'm doing that through a a bunch of different modes and modules, um, particularly using like literal layering in the poems, like my, you know, my mom two summers ago uh, called me while I was at my um, MFA program at Bard, and she was like, "Holy shit, I remembered this thing!" And I was like, "What did you remember?" She was like, "Remember how I keep telling y'all that I can't swim?" And I'm like, "Yeah, no, I know. Like that's why you won't swim." <laughs> and she's like, "Nah, but remember I told you that I almost got raped." Um, at Fresh Air Fun when I was 15. And I was like, yeah. She was like, but I completely forgot about it. I completely forgot everything. The name of the girl who I was there with, the guy who raped me. I forgot everything, everything, including how to swim. And then she called me and she was like, but I remembered. She was like, I just remembered. I remember it all. I know everybody's names. I knew exactly where I was. And she was like, and the thing that was astounding to me was that this was joy. This was, like, the joy of... Like, this is a painful thing to remember. But the fact that she could finally recall it... That's wild. ...was what was joyful. And I was like... And so she's on the phone. I'm like, wait, no, stop. Wait, will you just write this down and email it to me? Yeah. And so I just had her write it as if she was saying it to me. And I'm actually taking that big... It's, like, two pages, that big chunk of literature and using pieces of it as footnotes in my own poems to sort of, like, show this notion of, like, being able to recall the interruption, how, like, the recalling of it is the building of the boat. And literally just trying to, like, simulate building... A raft, like Shit. construction. I like, want to read this book. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm you excited. ready? Okay, yes, yeah. I'm gonna read it. Right. If you're at home, you know, clap your hands. I can't wait to write. Stomp this. your feet. If you're on the train, you know, make eye contact with someone in a very respectful way. <laughs> <laughs> All, in the the name of. All in the name of. All in the name of. Positive is happening in your headphones. You know, <laughs> so I think this is that. actually. Is I love when you do this. Yeah. <laughs> 
put your hands together. For commodes. Yeah. Oh, no, you said it. No, no, you got no, it. You, you, you said it for the first we'll time. We'll do it together. Okay. For, for commodes. Felix! Hey. I think this is his favorite poem. It probably so is. I'm happy to do this. I got okay. a bunch of yours that are my favorite poem. This is The Therapist Asks Three. Quote, But there were times when you offered your consent with older men. You chose them, and you were not afraid. Why not? You don't know the true success of survival till you've experienced the adrenaline of a too close death. What is there to fear when you've licked the edge? It is going to be an oppressively hot summer, the New York Post says, but I've got a few of my own stowed away, Mm. enough to occupy a foreign desert. There was one summer, his name was Tito, and my sisters still say his name just like that, T-to, the O, a benchmark in the bottom of the jaw. I was just 12, but the gaze itself made me a flame, so no one could tell, I guess, or no one would tell. He was the kind of heavy swelter that had the whole block at mercy. Mm. Everyone's connect to whatever they needed, which was much and in bulk. Mm. Power is a switch that yokes me up at the waist. I was young and enamored by this pattern of men who shouldn't want me, but would risk day to touch the stark chant of me. Each time... I imagined a witchcraft enveloping the bone. I remember once at some low hour in the trough of that summer, footnote, my mouth a voyaging boat, Tito's spine a current of illicit knots, his hand a spindle on the back of my coarse head. He looks down at me and moans out, who the fuck are you? I say, and the answer remains the same thereafter. Nobody. Who are you? I keep telling you all that I can't swim. Yo. Thank you, dude. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. This was so fun. Um, and I can't wait for this outro. This old. Oh, yeah. You know? So, what do we do? I don't even. Should we play it? Should we just. You, you have, have a song? I have like a song that I'm like made with my boyfriend. Wait, is this no, the wait, one? Is this, yeah. is this from yeah. back in the day? We want the back in the day. We want the back in the day. Okay, I have back in the day. Okay, okay. okay. If you send me the... We could just know. plug it in. Yeah, later. we can plug I'll, it in. I'll send it to you. Right. Oh, my God. It's a remix of a Drake song. Of course it is. That's it's amazing. Oh, uh, wow. So We can fake ad-lib to it. Yeah. yeah. Hey. Um. <laughs> hey. 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 Bars. Bars. A-A Bars. Bars. <laughs> Alright, we'll see you next time. Uh, and you can find us on um, Twitter at Poetry Gods or email the Poetry Gods. And at email the Poetry Gods if you want to email stuff at gmail.com. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me all over the internet, unfortunately. It's something that I really have to work on. Um, you can find me on Facebook, you can find me on Twitter, you can find me is that fun thing to say on Google? No, because you can't. You can find me on Google. Simply <laughs> Google me. <laughs> Google me, baby. <laughs> I love you. Google me, baby. No, I didn't mean that in the latest way, guys. I mean, like, honestly, I just, it might be easier if you just, okay. You are simply on Google. I just, I'm Googleable. So. Word. Googleable. Google do that. It's very hard to say. It is. Word. All right, y'all. See y'all next time. All right, next time. Peace. Ooh. I'm just saying, I'm just
Couldn't do that. 